This year's donations might go to, say, the geology department. Oh dear, not the dirt people. Geology is the study of pressure and time. That's all it takes, really. What kind of activity has turned the lake massive? Look, I'm just a geologist. I like rocks. I love rocks. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Geology Flannel Cast. My name is Steve. Hey, everybody, this is Chris. Hello. Oh, man. <laughs> I was literally thinking, hello, this is Jesse. I was just thinking, like, oh, I'm, I'm ready. And then, and then I just choked. We need ah. to get you to, like, uh, like a sports psychologist. Yeah. yeah you like, got the uh, yips or something. Yeah. yeah something. I, Cause yeah. I, I, hope I started reading something here and I was like, nope, focus. And I focused and I still and, got, and ironically, three seconds before we started the podcast, Chris goes, we're not going to have any incidents here. It'll be great. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, uh, we have a, we, I wish we had like one of those counters, like it's been zero it's been, days <laughs> since we've had a work accident. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, Chris, what are we talking about today on today's premier geology podcast well thanks for asking steve we are talking about lahars we're going to talk a little bit about volcanics and uh and lahars are one of the one of the uh i guess uh not risks what's what i'm looking for hazard hazards thank you thank you one of the hazards that are associated with uh volcanic activity Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah so you think living near a volcano would be bad for you know lava but that's not all they can get you. No, no, that's what I always, I sometimes tell my students too, when we talk about volcanoes, I always talk about lava and I'm like, this is a show stopper, but you're not going to get killed from lava. I mean, like if you stepped into lava, if you fell into lava, yes, you would die. But in terms uh, of, uh, well, we've had this, this is, <laughs> would you, day. would you melt? Would you sink? Would you float? Yeah, I don't want to open that can of worms again. You would get horribly burnt. <laughs> But I think that you could survive if you got out fast enough. And depending on, I think depending on what type of lava you fell into, it's not going to be, it's not going to be fun. All right. No, but horribly burned. I think if you fell into a very viscous lava, then. Yeah. If you fell into, uh, uh, you'd be able to, especially if you've got some like, you know, if you got some quick reflexes or a little bit of hitch in your giddy up, you you get out of there quick. What if like even like something even like yeah, I think if you fell into an ah uh-uh, ah, it, it, yeah, yeah, which but is a type of uh, lava flow in Hawaii. Yeah, very viscous, slow moving. But <clears throat> I always say, and I'm always like, if you see lava coming at you, just just walk away from it, like just- swiftly walk away. Or move to a higher surface as you walk away. Like it, in terms of hazards, it's it's not it's not that it's very low on the list. Unless yeah. unless you're uh, you're walking around on a lava field and yeah. you fall through the you're walking on top of one of those uh, lava the, tunnels. the lava tunnels exactly lava, and lava tubes the lava tubes and well, it's it, and you fall through you break through it and there is active lava you're not you're not coming out of that but i I always say this and i i'm very nervous one of these days someone's gonna be like my uncle was killed by a lava flow (laughs) you monster (laughs) and so now i actually don't say it anymore 
for that very specific <laughs> reason for this irrational fear that will never ever yeah, happen to you okay, some okay. some random student in philadelphia will have an uncle that was <laughs> done in done in by a lava flow yeah but generally speaking the lava's the lava's not gonna not gonna nine times out of ten let's say that's a safe assumption uh the lava the lava's not gonna kill you yeah it's it's these it's these other hazards like lahars you know the other hazard that i think is uh um well you know we have um there's a lot of stuff that there that that could take you out with a uh with a volcanic eruption and yeah lahars lahars are pretty dangerous and I, as we'll talk about the the latter part of the podcast today, they can uh, they can sneak up on you. They can sneak up on you. Know, they can be delayed a couple hours. Oh after yeah, the, the volcanic eruption. You don't even need an eruption, actually. Oh True. yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you want to learn more about volcanoes, you can listen to episode twenty one that was recorded back in twenty fifteen. We did an episode we, on volcanoes. We got a we got a date for that statistician. Uh, it was March twenty eighth of twenty fifteen. To be very good. All right. Exact. Over six years old. <laughs> Aged like a fine wine. Yes. <laughs> yes. Let's call it that. Yeah. All right. Or so, it's now vinegar. <laughs> or probably vinegar. So what let's give you give you a kind of a, a regional setting on, on what we're dealing with here. Uh so Lahars are gonna you're gonna they're gonna tend uh, occur at um uh, strata volcanoes or com- um, composite volcanoes, uh, depending on whatever terminology you want to use for this. So these are going to be your taller volcanoes. Um, and they're going to need to be tall because as we'll talk about in a second, you're going to need, you're going to need snow and ice uh, to, to get these things to form. All right. G- generally, generally speak. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's, that's one. Of the, yeah. So, Okay. So this, this term lahar, and this is, I guess, uh, kind of give you a, a, we'll talk about this definition throughout the entire episode today, but just to give you like a, uh, a watered down version, pun there. um, it's like a, it's kind of like a mud flow that accompanies a volcanic eruption. Now it's not like, like mud that you would know of mud. This is actually, it's got a lot of stuff in it. And it's actually more like a slurry. You should say, you know, it's not, but mud flow for, you know, if someone doesn't know what these things are, it's a kind of a good way to kind of get them introduced to the the topic there i think of it as liquid like uh concrete before it sets up yeah exactly exactly actually there was a lot of sources that were talking uh, that's exactly the terminology they used to describe uh the uh, like a a rushing lahars like yeah liquid liquid concrete and go ahead a russian lahar rushing a rushing not like from not like a lahar in russia <laughs> no and and i don't I'm, I'm guessing not not a lot of our listeners out there have ever had to test concrete before um but as a grunt employee for a consulting firm i've had to test thousands and thousands and thousands of trucks of concrete and just that little tiny shoot of concrete that you've seen on trucks that pour the concrete out like it is heavy. It is dense. It is like, I couldn't, I probably couldn't stand up in front of just one of those concrete shoots pushing against me, well, let I alone, mean, let alone a whole blah, 
coming at you. Yeah, you go to you just go to your your local home uh, home improvement store, and you know the the smaller bags of concrete. Yeah, they're eighty pounds, fifty or eighty pounds. Then you're adding water to it, which, <laughs> which is seven or eight pounds a gallon. Yeah. So yeah. So just imagine that coming at you. Right. It's not going to be fun. Not going to be fun. We'll talk about all the different ways that Lahars can kill you at the very end of the podcast today. Just just in case you get done this podcast, you just, you know, just not feeling just depressed enough. So we'll, Mm -hmm. we'll, we'll take you down at the very end. Yeah. And if you become a Patreon listener, you can listen to our extra content and we'll, we'll teach you how to survive them. (laughs) (laughs) We don't give you all the the answers. (laughs) Unlock that. We only want our Patreons to survive. So Not that we're picking favorites, but <laughs> we're picking favorites. <laughs> but Topaz members, you're okay. <laughs> All right. So the name Lahar is Indonesian in origin. And uh, you know, this kind of makes sense because there's Indonesia is the most volcanically active country on earth. What is it? Like two, you guys know how many volca- act is like 200 active volcanoes on Indonesia right now? Does that sound about right? Ballpark? I, I ballpark, I believe it, but like the whole arc is Yeah, yeah there's a lot of lot of all, the whole thing is on the ring of fire. Let's put it that yeah. way. If you listen to uh the episode with um Matt, Matt Sophie, Sophie on Cinnabung, not the most recent one, but the one before it, we probably talk about geothermal jobs with Matt Sophie. That was back in 2015 as well, I believe. I don't have a date for that one. I'm sorry. Oh boy, statistician over here. I know. All right. So uh okay, Lahar is Indonesian origin. That's where that's where the name comes from. And so what's gonna happen is it's gonna uh, Lahar is well, we are well, it's volcanic debris, stuff comes out of the volcano, becomes saturated with water and rapidly moves down steep volcanic slopes. So generally these Lahars, as they're as it's moving away from the volcano. They're going to be following these stream valleys. So, in that sense, they're they're easy to predict where they're going to go. Yeah, right? stuff flows downhill. Yes. So they're going to they're going to tend to tend to stick to that that path of least resistance that the the water is already draining from. Um, you know, in vo- around volcanoes, you tend to have a radial drainage pattern and. Uh, yeah, if you, if you do live in the Pacific Northwest or anywhere near a volcano, the USGS has what are called hazard maps, and they actually, you know, y- you can see these hazard maps, uh, like near in like Washington State and stuff, like all the way out into the Puget Sound is like like a big hazard, but you could be five miles away uphill and there's no hazard. So, like Chris said, th- these things are going to follow these terrains all the way downhill and it it can be no bueno so uh with these with volcanic eruptions this is i hope this isn't uh, nobody's learning anything new by this statement but volcanic eruptions tend to be pretty hot all right there's a lot of stuff that happens in volcanic eruptions and they're it's, it's just hot events right you have you have liquid hot magma or lava once it gets ejected from the, the volcano. That stuff's really hot. You have pyroclastic flows. <laughs> I'm watching Steve try to catch this moth or something. <laughs> Sorry. 
<laughs> He's trying to do like the karate kid catch the. <laughs> I don't have chopsticks, but yes. <laughs> All right. So this, there's a, there's really, you know, you have um, really hot magma um, or lava and pyroclastic flows. So it's really hot. Okay. And like we said, these composite volcanoes are going to be really, really tall. Okay. And when you get tall mountains, uh, these mountains tend to be capped with snow and ice year round. All right. So you see where I'm going with this. All right. Uh, so during a volcanic eruption, this ice and snow is going to melt and you're going to get this, this rush of water, rush of water downhill. And also on top of everything, it's not just like a, like a flash flood, this stuff's going to get mixed with ash any soil that might be, you know, on that, on the flank of the volcano, any sediment, trees, boulders, it doesn't matter. Once this thing starts picking up some steam and coming and getting some inertia going down the, uh, uh, going down the, the flank of the volcano, it's, it doesn't care. It's going to pick up whatever's in the way. Right. And so at this point, then it becomes this like dangerous slurry, right? Like, so as Steve was saying, like kind of like liquid concrete, or it's it's just not like it, it's just not like uh it's just water and mud coming down. No, it's got it's it's got some heft to it, right? And the other thing with these lahars is that they can actually grow and they can get bigger and bigger as they're going down the slope, right? So think of if the if there is like an alpine lake or something like that associated or you know within proximity to the volcano and the lahar goes right through that that alpine lake it can actually pick up that water from the lake and then bring that along or once these lahars get um into the more well-established river valleys it'll it'll just use that water coming out of the of the valley so these things can actually they can actually grow as they're um as they're moving moving downhill and they can actually grow, they commonly can grow to more than 10 times their initial size as they move downhill, right? 10 times growth. That's, That's incredible. Yeah, right. That's an order of magnitude as it's uh as it's moving moving downhill. Uh so what's the main driver of these things? Well, besides the the volcanic eruption, it could be gravity. Right. So thanks a lot, Newton. Ah, the worst. I was actually just a fun side note about Newton here. Um, the whole uh, the Apple thing, it's not, it's not, not real. Uh, Newton didn't, there's no, there's no um, evidence of Newton, like watching apples fall from his apple tree. Maybe, maybe he watched a Lahar come down. Ooh. Is that- <laughs> or maybe there's no evidence to prove that he didn't see apples. Yeah. Falling. I mean the the well known uh, <clears throat> volcanoes in England, <laughs> the Lahars. <laughs> so fun story about these. Uh, the, so but Newton Newton did have an apple tree on his property, right? And so this is like a like a, a famous apple tree, even though like the apple never, never there's really no no link to the stop apple. being a buzzkill, Chris. Carry on. <laughs> uh, and at one of the um, oh geez, it's like one of the, like there's like an arboretum at a. Um, like Cambridge or one of like the, the, the big universities in England, they have a, they, they made a clone of the uh, Newton's apple tree, Newton's, Newton's apple, apple tree. No yeah, way. Yeah. And they have it. You can actually watch the apples like 
you know, they want they want people to see the apples falling off. And I don't know. Uh, and then also, supposedly at MIT, they have one of these clones from that Newton apple tree as well. Huh. Hmm. I mean, that um, you can you clone trees. I, I remember when I was at Penn State, the outside of the, the big administration building, Old Main, they had a clone of a, a big oak tree from, let's say, Alexander, maybe it was Pope, some famous person, literary figure. Uh, but it just blew over this winter in like a, in a winter storm. And, oh, really? But the people from the Arboretum came in and like cut off a limb and they're like, ah, we'll graph this and we'll just clone a new one. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, ah, oh, we've come a long, really come a long way here. Oh, they've been doing that for a long time. Though, yeah. Trees. yeah. I was going to say my great grandfather used to grow like apple pear trees. Like oh. half of it would grow apples. Half of it would grow pears. Cause he would just graft a pear yeah, tree onto my, an apple tree. Actually. Yeah. My, my father-in-law has a, he calls it the fruit salad tree. Yeah. Bunch of other. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. All right. So Where sorry, are we at? sorry to steal your thunder. So stuff's moving downhill. How fast is it moving downhill? That's what I want to know. Uh, it can, uh, these things can go pretty fast. Uh, they can exceed speeds of 200 kilometers an hour or 120 miles an hour. That's, that's hauling ass downhill. That is, that's, that's, um, that's moving pretty, pretty fast. I'd imagine that would have to be a super, super steep area for yeah. that Lahar to be moving that fast. Yeah. Obviously, once you, you start hitting the toe slope, like you're, you're the, the bottom part of that slope, you're going to start slowing down. But, but like I said, like the Puget Sound is pretty far away from the volcanoes. But if you look at those hazard maps, it's still a hazard. Like that stuff is still has enough. Uh, inertia to carry it that that far so yeah yeah so obviously you're not going to be getting lahars going at 120 miles an hour where it starts to flatten out or whatever but um you know just kind of a kind of a thought to chew on there so as you move further away from the volcano the the speed of the lahars tend to decrease and but even still, like the just the density of it alone, it doesn't have yeah. to be moving fast. No, That's it's true. like if you get hit by a bus moving 10 miles an hour, you still might die. <laughs> like if you get hit by a, uh, you know, a, a smart car at 10 miles an hour, you might be all right. But the, the mass of it, the, yeah. the inertia, the, you know, that's a terrible example, but you get what I'm saying. Like there, there's there's still a lot of uh, kinetic energy coming down the hill with the amount of mass that's moving, even though it's moving slower. (laughs) So (laughs) with these lahars, it doesn't even have, you don't even have to have a volcanic eruption to get, get a lahar. What? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Basically, if you have a situation where um, you can have heavy rains They'll saturate the weathered volcanic deposit and that material can move downhill. So like if you have like some fresh ash or, or stuff like that, um, you can get, you can get lahars coming down the slope when there wasn't even a volcanic eruption. Yeah. Or, or the snow gets heated up a little bit, or there's a tiny little earthquake or something like yeah, there, there's lots of different triggers. Earthquake 
you know, you get a little fracture and it releases some steam, which melts the snow and ice. And it's, yeah, yeah you don't need a full blown like volcanic eruption. So you don't always have this like big giant warning flare shooting up into the sky. Sometimes it's just c- comes out of nowhere, essentially. Yeah. And so that's the, that's, that's the, I would imagine that could be pretty dangerous if you're not even, not even expecting it. And then the little hard just starts coming down, coming down the valley, you know? Um, all right. So there you go, but we're going to be sticking with the, uh, the volcanic eruptions here because that's what we do here at the flannel cast. So as, as Steve was talking and we were mentioned before the path of the Lahar is super predictable. All right. They're going to follow the drainage paths leading away from the, from the volcano. And, you know, you don't, you don't, you don't want to be in this, in, in the Valley of a drainage path. When the volcano erupts, you're going to die. All right. It's not even, you might die. You're going to die. Like it's, it's super dangerous. Um, and when these lahars get large enough, they're just, they can, they can uh, crush a braid, bury, or carry away almost anything in their path. All right. Yeah. And if you want to watch it, you know, it's a slightly dated, but still, I think it's a good documentary in the path of a killer volcano by Nova, you know, geologists like us can go and you can see these deposits of old lahars and be like, Oh, a lahar has already come through here. Chances are there's going to be another lahar coming through here. Yeah. And I, I do want to, when we talk about some examples, I'm going to come back to that idea about prior, prior lahar flows. Yeah. Uh, the main, one of the main themes in geology is geology always repeats itself. The, uh, pa- yeah. the past is the key to the present. The, well, yeah, but it's always just, it's, nope. I screwed that. I screwed that up. Sorry. The present is the key to the past. Thank you. The past is the key to the future. Oh, and I can't find my keys anywhere. So. Uh, but <laughs> the, I feel like, uh, what? It, wait, you said geology always repeats itself. I yeah. feel like there's a, you could Jeff Goldblum that into like, uh, yeah. geology finds Ge- a way. Yeah. Geology repeats itself. <laughs> Maharas <laughs> always find a way. Anyway, anyways, all right. <laughs> I, I say we should stick to this beautifully formatted outline. What do you What do you guys think? I, I wish we had a better formula for this show. <laughs> that is good. If point. only there was a, a formatting <laughs> formula for this. <laughs> Uh, we would like to beautifully, seamlessly segue into our commercial for the formatting formula, uh, formattingformula.com or YouTube forward slash C forward slash formatting formula. Uh, <clears throat> the formatting formula does all of your word document formatting needs and a- anything from formatting table of contents uh, to uh hyperlinks labeling figures and things like that I, I i remember when i was doing my master's thesis like dreading adding another figure in the middle of my thesis because i was like oh i'm gonna have to rename everything and they're like no 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 like you just put it in and it'll repopulate everything down past it it's like oh my god that's amazing um oh, and 
you know, these are all little things that a lot of our listeners might be like, er, der, of course I know that, but they can actually customize your toolbar up at the top. They can, they can show you all these different shortcuts and just a million different things and, and they can do it for you. Or they have a ton of videos on YouTube at formatting formula forward slash C for no YouTube forward slash C forward slash formatting formula. And you can actually teach yourself how to do this stuff. So, and they, they actually have stuff for word um, on a PC and on a Mac. And I'm not even going to try to attempt it. They have all different kinds of versions of word. Um, I always butcher this, uh, but they, they have up to the latest version going back into the past. So check them out. Uh, but more importantly, make sure you leave a comment or like them or subscribe and say, Hey, formatting formula. Uh, the geology flannel cast sent me. So check them out. Formattingformula.com. Thank you, Steve. Yep. So let's, uh, let's get into how dangerous these lahars are and kind of what, the, what they can do to you. Um, so, you know, basically if you're in the way of lahar, like it's kind of, you might as well just be like, you know, jumping in front of a freight train. It's, it's, you're done. It's, it's super dangerous. Um, like it's not just like, it's not water. right. It's, it's a very, very viscous slurry, like liquid concrete coming, coming down the mountainside. So the other thing is that they can take, they're going to take out the bridges, they can take out the roads. And so that now people might be trapped in, pretty hazardous volcanic areas. All right. Um, so the other thing is if you're trying to think about it like this, you're trying to e escape or you're trying to evacuate the area, right? How is everyone going to going to leave? They're going to jump in their car. All right. And so this is, this is a, you know, this is something that you got kind of have to, that um, I guess, people have to take into consideration when they are planning these, these evacuations is that, you know, everyone's going to leave at the same time. Well, what's going to happen with the traffic then, you know, and now if you're, if you wait too long to leave and now bridges and roads are taken out, like you're done, like, you know, you're, you're not, you're not leaving, you know, mother nature made that decision for you, you know? So that's just another, another thing to think about. It's not just, you know, with, with volcanoes, it's not just uh, like a, a pyroclastic flow or like we said, the lava, like that's not going to, the pyroclastic flow will kill you. If you get close enough to that thing, that'll just straight up incinerate you. But the lava, like, you know, it's, but the, this is the other dangerous thing. So, or you could, you know, you can just get trapped and, uh, and then it's, you know, you're, you're kind of in it to win it. You're, Pretty much, if you want to get out anytime soon, you're probably going to need a helicopter to to get you out. If you're if you're trapped, the the, the bridge is taken out. You know, you're you're not going anywhere. All right. Sometimes, like these like fresh lahar deposits, it's just too deep to cross, or too soft, or sometimes it's just too hot too. So, um, you know, you're going to have to wait it out. Um. So, you know, and then kind of also over a time period of weeks, weeks to years after a volcanic eruption, you know, you can, it's like we kind of mentioned before, you don't even have to have uh, the, that immediate volcanic eruption. It could be, it could, there could be a, a very significant lag time, even like years after the volcanic eruption, uh, you can get erosion and transport transportation of this, of that loose volcanic deposits, like the ash deposits. And, and um, you basically entrain that and that can, you can have, you know, 
set off the lahar that way. Too much rainfall, we'll start moving that stuff, moving that stuff around, and um, you know. So actually, the other thing this isn't even in the uh, the outline, but I'd imagine that any fish living in that river, when the lahar comes down, that's game set and match. I, oh, I got to think the entire ecosystem, right? Yeah. Everything's just like Mother Nature just kind of presses the reset button on that. I mean, you you've seen pictures after the 1980 Mount St. Helens eruption of the one lake at the base, and it's just like full of covered trees, right? trees, yeah, and then yeah. just like dead fish everywhere, and uh, <clears throat> it's just yeah, yeah. That wasn't a lahar, though, was it? There were uh, lahar. Well, there were har, lahars associated with. There were the, lahars, uh, yeah. That so. eruption, but no, that was but, the blast. That was the lateral blast. Yeah, that. but uh, the, you know, Mother Nature. I don't, I don't want to say plants for this stuff, but there are like certain species of pine trees where their pine cones don't open up until there's a forest fire, like the you know they open up at like 500 degrees or something like that. So. The, the nature, you know, or to quote Jeff Globloom again, life finds a way. So, yes, I believe you're correct, Chris. This is game, set, and match. But I'd be interested to, to maybe do a little research to figure out on how fast those ecosystems bounce back. I mean, volcanic ash is very fertile. Like, that. that's, that's why people flocked to those sorts of lands because it was easy to till it was easy to plant it was it was had nutrients things like that so people lived on flanks of volcanoes because it was easier to live there you know until it erupted and it, you all it died. was easier to live there until it wasn't easier to live there <laughs> exactly <laughs> um what I, geez off the top of my head when did life start coming back to saint helen like 10 years i guess like you know uh, no, I mean, like trees and stuff started growing back like the I, next year. Yeah, I, I meant like little things, but you know, but yeah, the whole back, ecosystems. You know. Yeah, I, I don't that I don't know. I mean, e- even in Yellowstone, there was there was a big giant fire in the early 90s that burned like a million acres. And oh, yeah, yeah. There, there was still evidence of it uh, 10, 12 years ago when I was there. And so it, it does come back and it comes back pretty quickly, but yes, to, to get back to where it was full grown, like all that oh, to full, get back to, I mean, like yeah. 50 years, you know, like, yeah. I mean, you're talking, you gotta get, you know, large trees to grow. So, uh, that, that's gonna, that's gonna take some time there. All right. So let's talk about some, uh, really bad Lahar events. All right. And so this is like the most, uh, just, uh, just to put it, clarify this probably aren't any really good lahar events <laughs> there, yeah there wasn't one where people were like that's a damn good lahar oh man look at that that was a great lahar i can't wait till that lahar yeah. comes back that yeah there, there's no like uh x x uh what what, what espn exports what wow man why am i drawing oh, the x games the x games yeah there's no like lahar surfing event <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, that's not happening so, uh, okay, in the town of Armero, Colombia, 1985, this is like, when you talk about Lahars, this is the one that everybody mentions, because this one was, this is worst case scenario, right? So, uh, and, and it, uh, 
oddly enough, it sounds like it could this disaster could have been avoided. And I think that's why people talk about this a lot, right? So uh, to give you a background, Armero, Colombia is it's up there in the the Andes. It's basically right at the um, it's in this valley, and there's a a um, there's it's right that the, the the base of this river valley coming off of the Andes, right? And the volcano here that caused this lahar is called uh, the name of the volcano is Nevada del Ruiz, and so it's it's a tall volcano. It's seventeen thousand four hundred feet tall, and you know, as uh, you know, as we were mentioning earlier, you don't have to have a giant eruption to set off set off a lahar, and that's that's what happened here at Nevada del del uh, Ruiz. Said it was ended up being a small small volcanic eruption. All right, so some pyroclastic material comes out of the volcanic of the volcano, and it's going to melt the ice and snow at the top of the mountain. All right, so you have. You know, a lahar went down three of the major river valleys that radiated out from the uh, from uh, Nevada del Ruiz, and and it, and uh, when the lahar reached Armero, it ended up killing twenty thousand people, and the town was only twenty nine. The town only had twenty nine thousand people, so it took out two thirds of the town. So there's a little bit of a, a, a story behind behind this. Uh, this volcanic eruption. It was this volcano had been moving around and making some noise for for uh, quite some time before the uh, before the volcanic erupt before the the one in 1985 occurred that that caused this lahar. Right. So starting in late 1984, uh, the geologists started to notice that there was some seismic bacteria uh, seismic excuse me activity. Around on occurring on Nevada del Ruiz, um, there is uh, fumarole activity. Basically, it's when uh, it's like the volcano is kind of burping, release or you know, releasing fumes. Uh, there are some phreatic eruptions, and so that's when the magma in the volcano comes in contact with the groundwater, right? And it basically it shoots steam out of the volcano. So they started seeing that in. Uh, that's that started kicking in on um, in like September of 1985, uh, and then by October of 85, uh, the volcanic activity started to decline a little bit. Right. So um, some other things that were occurring. Uh, let's see some Italian uh, Italian volcanologists ended up publishing a report in October of 1985. And they, they said that the, the, the risk of Lahars coming off of uh, Nevada del Ruiz was unusually high. Right. And to prepare for this eruption, this report gave um, several simple uh, preparedness techniques to local authorities. Right. But, and uh, according to this story, uh, another team gave, Another team of volcanologists gave local fisher, local officials, excuse me, I can't talk today, seismographs, but they didn't give anybody they to the um, they didn't give any of these local officials instructions on how to use these uh, how to operate the seismographs. So it's that was like this is going to be like a, a, a just all these errors are going to compound and it's just going to be a not fun time in uh, late 1985, right? So. There were attempts at an evacuation for 
for uh, Armero. So he said September of 1985. Now this volcano is is starting to starting to rear its ugly head. It's it's waking up and it's it's you know it's it's uh, it's doing things. All right, earthquakes, phreatic eruptions. Um, so in October of 85, there was a hazard map that was that was made. It was created for the area around Nevada del Ruiz. And it, it highlighted some of the danger from uh, uh, from from the volcanic eruption. But another issue with this was that this map was poorly distributed to the people at high risk from the volcanic eruption. All right, and many of the many of the people that survived uh, this um, this you know this horrible disaster. Never even knew, never even heard of the that, or knew that there was a there was a hazard map. All right, a um, couple of the country, a uh, couple of Colombia's major newspapers featured versions of this map, but we'll get into that. Um, you know why? What what ended up happening with some some of the versions of the map? But um, it was also noted that the this hazard map was met with strong opposition from economic interests. So I thought that was, you know, they, they, they didn't want the economic fallback from, uh, you know, about, uh, about the, inf- this information about being in a, you know, potentially a hazard zone. Yeah. And you know, that, that is the, um, constant give and take you have between trying to predict these extremely unpredictable hazards and trying not to devastate economically an area. I mean, Look at the movie Dante's Peak. That's essentially the, 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 the crux of that movie is, you know, yeah, you could evacuate everyone and be safe and, and just live out of town for a few years and see if this thing blows over. But then that entire community's economic industry is destroyed. So you don't really have anything to go back to. But then if the volcano erupts, you don't really have anything to go back to either. So, you know, ha- how do you how do you toe that line? Yeah, yeah. So this map had, there was also a lot of errors on this map. Okay. So number one, and this will get you for and any, any time that you make a map, like this is like, this is like committing like a mortal sin in, in cartography. There was no scale in this map. All right. So that's, uh, you know, Oof. yeah, you don't, you don't have a scale and, and also, you know, not to steal your thunder, Chris, but it didn't have a legend either. If you don't have a legend, how how do you know what means what? Exactly. And that's what's going to get these people in trouble. The town of Armero was in a green zone. So people thought they were safe. Oh, no. Yeah. You can't, you gotta, you know, you, you can't, if you're basically, you should never have the color green on a hazard map, right? That's <laughs> unless you're like in a, in a, a, a bunker somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Unless you're absolutely certain that, that like the, the hazard. Yeah. Green, green usually means good to go. Um, or if it doesn't, you need to make it abundantly clear that green does not mean you're okay. Yeah. Just don't put the color green on a hazard map. Okay. That's not like <laughs> This isn't rocket science here. All right. Um, the only way they could have made this worse was they made it green with uh, like happy faces all over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Safe here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, there's some issues. It, apparently this, this hazard map made 
pyroclastic flows um, looking like that was the main hazard for the for the town of Armero. All right. Uh, some other maps were published in in other you know local uh, other newspapers like I mentioned before, but these maps ended up being considered artistic representation and not scientific, just of the of the the way they were um, you know Described. illustrated. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's another thing too. So you don't want to, you don't want to have. If you're making a, I, I don't, I didn't see what these maps look like, but I just imagine that they might have been like cartoony looking or something like that. And if you have a, if you have a hazard map, you got to make this thing look as professional as possible. Yeah, you shouldn't give artistic license on a hazard evacuation map. No, it's got to be just just professional looking and. And yeah, you got it. The, the volcano looked like Mr. Yuck spewing out. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Yuck. So, okay. Um, you know what? I didn't add on here. Can one of you guys find the exact date that this thing erupted on? Uh, November 13th, 1985. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. November 13th, 1985. 3 p.m. local time. 3.06 p.m. Oh, excuse me. Thank you yeah. for thank you for fact checking that. <laughs> All right. Nevada Del Ruiz erupts at 3.06 p.m. local time. And now compounding all the other issues that we've talked about before, there's going to be some other some other issues that are going to are going to um, you know, come up as well. There's some government miscommunications and lack of organization uh, delayed this uh delayed the um uh evacuation notice coming out all right um at uh there was a, a meeting with the regional red cross it ended at 7 p.m now this is four hours after nevada del Rey starts starts erupting and at this point there was in the afternoon there was ashfall in the town of armero um this meeting ends at 7 p.m and um they decided at the in this meeting to evacuate so okay seven o'clock Boom, we're going to evacuate. Even though that there were uh, there was talks, there was government talks of evacuation before, but um, you know we're, there was uh, this. We're going to get into why this this didn't happen, but this uh, this regional one with the Red Cross, this evacuation was not carried out because there was electrical problems caused by caused by a storm. Uh, basically, a uh, thunderstorm started taking out. Uh, cause cause power issues, and the thunderstorms <clears throat> that was because of the eruption, right? Because you can get a lot of um, like static that's, discharge, and and you yeah, can get nu- nucleation from just the humidity in the air mixing with the ash, which yeah. actually causes like clouds, right? Yeah. Uh, so the source that I was reading didn't mention that, but that would make sense though. Because how crazy would it be if there was a freak thunderstorm and the volcano was going off nearby as a, you know, just <laughs> coincidentally. Can't we catch but, a break here? Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> but yeah, Jesse, that would, that would, that would make most sense. Um, okay. So now we're at uh, 9.45 PM uh, and uh, civil defense officials of, of Columbia tried to contact our mayor officials about the danger but they couldn't get in touch with the officials at Armero. And then this, this is the kicker. This is the craziest thing that I read about when I was researching for this topic. So 
later there uh later these uh officials these civil defense officials overheard conversations between officials of armero and others and one of those officials was the mayor of armero they're talking on ham radio okay and the mayor was saying that he did not think that there was much danger and right after he said that on the radio taken out by the lahar oh like, no that's like crazy. that's something out of a movie yeah 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 exactly exactly so they were telling the people like hey like calm down like just go back to your houses and just because uh, and the other thing was uh once the evening hit the ash fall started to uh uh started to die down a bit so they just told people yeah you just just everything's going to be fine just just go back into your houses right and then boom that evening the uh the lahar hits right like this town if you look at an image of where this town is located it is right at the edge of this river valley of this canyon coming off of the andes and it's right where that that valley just kind of uh, flattens out so anything coming off of this off, off of this river is just going to flow out and spread out all over the town and i'm sure if you dug down underneath that town it there was a lahar below it i'm sure there's ash all over the place yeah, yeah right like um, okay, so the Lahar struck in three major waves. Okay, so the um, so the Lahar was thirty meters or hundred feet deep, about okay, and it's moving at about uh, not it's not exactly the hundred and twenty mile an hour Lahar, right? It's moving at about thirty miles an hour, okay, or twelve meters per second, right? And this Lahar lasted twenty minutes. All right. Um, that was the first Lahar. And then the second wave comes down that lasted 30 minutes. And then that was, uh, followed by smaller pulses. Uh, so, uh, there was, there was a third major pulse that lasted about two hours, but by the time that third pulse, uh, of the Lahar came down, 85% of our marrow was covered in, in mud. And we shouldn't even, like we said, we shouldn't even say mud, like a thick concrete, like slurry. We're talking boulders. We're talking trees. We're talking rocks. We're talking, you name it. This, this was all in that, in that Lahar. Okay. Um, you know, buildings were collapsing from this Lahar. Uh, it was, uh, you know, this Lahar was crushing people. And there, like I said, there's just a ton of debris. Yeah. There's, there's pretty famous pictures. Like it's, there's yeah. churches in town where you can only see the steeple. Like the whole church is buried, you know, the big, biggest, tallest buildings in, in town. Like you can only barely see the roofs, things like that. Yeah. yeah. You can, you can go there today and see that. Like, yeah, I guess it's still there. Right. So yeah. what's, what's interesting is I was told by someone that, that was at um, Armero a few years back, you can see, <laughs> I'm watching Steve. I can see you eyeing up that moth that's flying in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying not to grab for it because I didn't want to get called out again, especially because uh, I missed it the first time. <laughs> so, so you can go into some of these buildings, like the uh, the majority of the the town was 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 covered covered in, in mud, right? And you can see on the walls inside the inside the buildings the the line of where the where that slurry went up to, right? Uh, and the 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 amount of mud now has has gone down. Because um, that Lahar over the last 30, 36 years, 
35 years has dewatered. So the water's left that that slurry and the 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 mud level has gone down, but you can see in the buildings the line huh. where where it was at, at um you know initially when it when it came down. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's like several feet from what I was told. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So all right. So you see a Lahar coming down. All right. Uh the the front of the Lahar is going to contain boulders and cobbles. And it's going to crush anyone. It's going to, it's going to crush any, anything that comes in its path. All right. So like I said, we keep on stressing. It's not just like this, like this mud coming down. No, you it's, it, you know, there's rock in there. And if you get, you know, you can get pinned down by these rocks. Okay. It's, it's gonna, it's, it's not, that's it's, it's get away from, you know, it's, it's not going to be a fun experience. Uh, the other thing is you could, the slower parts of the horror are going to have, Lots of sharp, jagged rock. All right, and um, you know it, it's it's gonna it's good. You know, cut if you're lucky, you'll just get lacerations. Right, um, and uh, let's see, mud can uh, mud then can move into these open wounds that you you might have, and that's that's not good either. Um, you get you'll get mud in your eyes, ears, and mouth. It's just. Not it's this is not a fun way to go out, and this is probably the uh, this is the not most the most not fun part, but uh, the, the one of the, the weirder worst. parts, yeah. Well, yeah, it's going to um, there's this these lahars are going to have pressure capable of inducing traumatic asphyxia, right? It'll basically you'll 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 die of asphyxiation in one to two minutes because of the high pressure from this lahar of, you know, and that's, that's what, so these people that were buried in the lahar were, they died of asphyxia in like one to two minutes. Yeah. I, I teach a health and safety class about OSHA safety training and you talk about trenches and, and trench safety, you know, basically digging long linear holes in the ground. And you, you see people jump down in these trenches that are not supported and they think, oh, well, I'll just be able to get out. Like the, the amount of people who die who are only buried, like say uh, six inches past their belly button, that's all it takes because that, that pressure on your diaphragm, you, you can't breathe anymore. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, it doesn't matter that your head's above and can, is in air. Like if you can't breathe, you can die. Like it, it's, and it's got to be a terrible way to go. Terrible. Yeah, it's it's. But so, you can also get hypothermia, which is when you think of a volcanic eruption and lahars. You know, you don't necessarily think of it as being chilly. So, well, that was that was. Uh, they, they don't think that, that people were actually getting hypothermia from this lahar because mm-hmm. uh, they, the water was pretty warm as it reached our marrow. But no, was, but but other lahars, yeah, like other lahars, yeah. If it's if it's yeah. if it's cold lahar, yeah, yeah. You can get, and, you can and you can look up stats from that too. More more people die of hypothermia at fifty degrees than at twenty degrees because people think they, they kind of poo poo it, right? Yeah, they think like, oh, it's not that cold, or or it's maybe it's it's sixty degrees during the day, but then it gets down to like fifty at night, and if you're not prepared for it, or or it rains. It can if it rains and it's fifty degrees, yeah, you know yeah. that's 
it sucks all that body heat out of you. Well, you know, humans are tropical animals, man. Like, you know, just if you're not prepared for the outdoors, like it, there's a, it's pretty easy to get messed up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've been training my whole life by growing body hair all over myself. Oh, that's yeah. good. That's good. You might be able to survive down to perhaps 72 degrees, maybe. <laughs> perhaps, maybe, maybe even 68. I don't know. All right. Um, okay. Uh, so you're in a Lahar. You managed to survive everything, right? You don't, the boulders don't kill you. The lacerations don't kill you. The asphyxia, the traumatic asphyxia doesn't kill you. But there are a lot of, survivors a lot of people that survived this lahar that died because they were just pinned down they're trapped and that's i guess that's the the last you know we're talking lots of lots of uh debris in the lahar and if if you're just pinned down and you can't get out you know it's not like they're going to get uh you know uh, an excavator out there in a couple hours no no uh, to dig you out you know you're talking a, a town that just got rocked by a horrendous lahar people are digging people out by their hands yep. think they're gonna, i don't even you think they're gonna find a shovel like you know you're basically just tr- trying to dig people out by your hands and if you're pinned underneath like a car or something like that they're yep. not getting yeah no and you hear of these horrible scenarios too with with not just lahars but like mudslides and things like that you know it, you, you have to remember you can't get rescue equipment there like chris said earlier in the podcast maybe a helicopter but the bridges that, are out the roads are out too yeah yeah and not only that like you you can't you can't drive even all-terrain vehicles on this stuff because it's mud it's liquid concrete like you just can't get to places yeah, it's uh, Lahars are super, super gnarly. So I think that's that's just about everything that we got there. You guys, anything, anything to add? I know, like, we just we just kind of there, Lahars are there's a you know, this is just the one, I guess, the this example of our mayor. This is just kind of like the most like infamous one that everyone, oh. talks yeah. About, I, you know? I'll add real quick that, like, it in. In, you know, you won't survive a lahar if it hits you, but we do have ways of, of monitoring them. We, we we have sensors, especially in the Pacific Northwest, you'll see these. There's like sp- special stream gauges. Wait, should we save this for the Patreons or are we going to teach everyone how to survive? I guess we should teach everyone. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so they, so like um, the, the, the best example of this would be, um, uh, around Mount Rainier, which you know is in in the Pacific Northwest, there and it's um, it has all of these mud flows in the stream valleys. Uh, the the big one, there's a big one called the Osceola mud flow, which was from an eruption 5,600 years ago, um, and the Electron mud flow from I think 500 years ago. What a name! The electron mud flow. That that is that's a name. <laughs> Which right buried there. the town of Electron. Well, it's the town of Electron is built on top of it. Uh, okay. uh, but the the mud flow is 98, 98, 98 feet thick. Wow. So, so let's build yeah. a town here. <laughs> so like 
but there there's there's this town and and the Osceola one made it all the way to the Puget Sound from Mount Rainier. So it's this massive mud flow. But the town of Ording in Washington, um, Washington State, which apparently uh, West <laughs> it's Coast, only an East Coast thing. Yeah. It's only in the East Coast. We say Washington State, but but yeah. um, they have they so they they have these the USGS monitors. There's two main rivers, um, and Ording is basically situated on the floodplain um, between these two rivers, um, and so what they the, the schools there have evacuate lahar evacuation drills because the school is basically built on you know these flows and they're they're actively planning um the this project called the bridge for kids which is a, a bridge that that um essentially goes over where they anticipate a future Lahar flow. So it'll act as this evacuation route to get them from Ording to Cascadia. Hmm. Um, I was going to say, what is a Lahar drill? Like, do you just go to the roof? Yeah, they, no, they, um, they, it's a two mile route that they, that they take, like they leave the school and they get off where they've, these old lahar are mapped interesting and so they they evacuate off of the lahar flow so imagine imagine a 20 minute fire drill turning into a four hour lahar drill i guess yeah i don't i mean if it's two miles that's that's a lot of walking with a lot of kids no no joke but yeah i guess they assume with the the stream gauges to to monitor this yeah, that you would have some lead time. They'll yeah, have some yeah warning. Um, but yeah, it's in, it's interesting. Uh, just a little side note on on how we we do we monitor these things. One thing I I meant to bring this up earlier. We have examples of, especially in uh, there's two cases of lahars. Sorry, I'm just throwing everything in out here uh, that we failed to mention their mechanism. One is at Crater Lakes, where you have uh, caldera. You can have the, the, the lake itself, either a wall of the lake will blow out. Um, that happened in Martinique, Mount Palais in Martinique in 1902. That's the famous one that the lahar and the pyroclastic flow killed every single person in the, in the city except for two people. It was like 20,000 wow. people. Um, but this happens a lot in Iceland too, hmm. where you'll have these subglacial erosion uh, eruptions. So there's a glacier on top of the. Mm. Okay. And they'll they'll create these. You know, I, I guess you could consider it a, a glacial outburst flood. Which the term for that is Jokulap. Oh that's yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't wait to get. Get the comments about my pronunciation. <laughs> I think that was actually pretty good. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. Thanks. Um, so yeah, so I, you know, we, we do have some some warnings in place, and if you know, learning maybe from the mistakes of Nevada Del Ruiz and Amaro. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, I don't know this firsthand, but I'm assuming there's some sort of USGS alert type app system 
if you live in these high hazard zones. I, I know they have it for earthquakes. I know Google Google's developing stuff. Um, I, I know in Ording they have uh, they have a siren. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> but but legit Good like uh, siren. <laughs> yeah, I, I've seen Google's app that tracks seismic activity on your phone. Okay. So if your phone is sitting still, it can actually sense an earthquake. Mm-hmm. And if it senses enough of that, like, you know, obviously if you're jumping up and down your house, like whatever, but if Google notices that like a hundred phones in the area are experiencing the same exact seismic activity, it actually sends out an alert and, and you can actually track an earthquake based on Google phones. Like, huh. Where, where it where it started where it's going where it's you know likely to hit so i feel like um, we talked about that on a previous yeah podcast. yeah so it's I, pretty interesting so mount rainier has it's it's called the volcano lahar warning system the mount rainier volcano lahar warning but i i, I always thought it was just stream gauges but apparently it's an acoustic flow monitor Ooh. so they have these sensors that are embedded underground that are that would feel the vibrations of the lahar of this dense fluid coming over overhead so it it, it would send off alerts that way which neat. is neat hmm. yeah. yeah very cool yeah well i guess uh i think we did a good job in lahars pretty i much. think so too yeah pat yourself on the back fella. yeah and if you um, have yourself a topic that you would like to cover Drop us a line, the geologyflannelcast.com. We might we might not cover it, but maybe we will. Mm. Um, actually, real fast before we go into this, Jesse, what was your 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 volcanic eruption in 1991 that caused you to not swim Mount, for a year? Mount Pinatubo, right? Mount Pinatubo. I think there was Lahar associated with that. I'm eruption. pretty sure there was. Yeah, there was. It didn't it cover that Air Force base. I think that was that that was in the path of the killer volcano, the, yeah, the that movie was, that um, I referenced earlier. What's the name of that Air Force base? I forget, but yeah. Anyway, the just uh <laughs> I'm sorry, I just keep thinking of your brother listening to us talking about the summer of nineteen ninety two. But uh yeah, yeah so if you have a question, please, please uh, drop us a line at geologyflannelcast.com. Um, you can become a Patreon member and the quartz tier, Chris. No, Topaz. For what? To ask, to to demand a topic from us. Topaz. Topaz we have, members. We have uh, several tiers of membership, of sponsorship at the, uh, the Geology Flannelcast here. Um, yeah, sponsorships, uh, you know, met rates, it starts as, as little as $2 a month. We'll get you some stickers as, uh, you know, it's a, as our way of uh, thanking you for helping us out with that. Uh, uh, you know, if you jump up to the courts member, you get, uh, we got some extras videos that, uh, that we got for you up on the Patreon page, come hang out with us. Uh, the, the topaz tier, like Steve said, you get all of the above and then you get to have, we'll do a whole topic devoted to your, uh, whatever you want. We just got done doing, uh, the Celestia exotic terrain, um, up in, uh, up in Washington last week for one of those, uh, 
Patreon requested episode. So, and then diamond membership, you get, uh, you, you get everything. It's whatever you want. <laughs> it's, you get your own episode. See all Chris will be stuff. godfather to your child, you know, whatever, <laughs> whatever you want. So, <laughs> Uh, no, you will get, we get you, you get your own episode and it's just an extra way of thank you, uh, helping us out. But anyways, that's patreon.com slash geology final cast. Uh, if you're interested in that, uh, you go to geology check out some of our merch. We got t-shirts, hoodies, uh, mugs that will make your coffee taste 20%. 20% better. I think is what the last double blind placebo test came back at. Yeah. 20% better. I, I don't know how, but it, it does it. Uh, so that's there. Get yourself a nice flannel cast mug with the, the, the coat of arms, flannel cast coat of arms there. <laughs> and uh, get some stickers. Um, all that stuff helps, helps us out. So um, yeah, so that's pretty much it for this week. Another exciting week here at the geology flannel cast. Thank you so much guys for, for hanging out till the end. And uh, we will catch you guys next week with another fun and exciting episode of the premier geology podcast, the geology final cast. Thanks Thanks everyone. everyone. All right. Bye. Don't forget to tell your friends. Bye. Thanks for stopping. Bye.